Well, good evening. Um, I've spoken several times now, and um, we've given you hints of what we're doing in Honduras. But tonight, I really want to focus on um, what we feel like God has called us to La Esperanza to do and our vision for the future. I want to take an opportunity first to um, give you greetings from the Holiness Church of Honduras. Um, we have told them about you, and they are praying this week for you. Um, I also want to give you um, a big thank you from all of the members of Team Solheim spread all, all over the world. Um, I want to thank you. I especially want to give a public thank you to those of you who are members of to Team Solheim here, those of you who give regularly, pray for us, encourage us. Um, sincerely, from the bottom of our hearts, we thank you for allowing us to do what God has called us to do. Um, and there are several of those Team Solheim members here. Um, I'm just going to, this is the first time we've done this presentation, so I'm going to ask for grace. Okay, a little grace. When you think of Honduras, maybe you think of this. Um, how many people have not heard of the massive caravans leaving Honduras to come to the U.S.? Nobody? This was a picture taken, I think, back in January time frame um, of the caravan leading to the U.S. You can see the big Honduran flag in the front. And to me, that says they love to be Honduran, but they feel compelled to go to another country. And most of these people are young people, um, youth. Um, actually, more than 50% of Honduras's population is under the age of 24. And so we are losing massive, massive amounts of um, future leaders through caravans and, and illegal immigration. And I'm not here to talk about politics or what we should do about that, but it left Steve and I asking why. Why? And I think we have some ideas, and it's not always what you think it is. Um, I want to ask my friend in the back, Matt Calger, back there, if money were no object and in the next five years you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Hint, it's in Central America. No, I'm just kidding. Anywhere in the world, where would you go? Yes, money's no object. Mm -hmm. In the next five years, where would you like to visit? Of course, of course. Okay, um, let's see. Parker, in the next five years, money is no object. Where would you like to visit? New Zealand. New Zealand. Very cool. I would love to go to Israel. I just think that would be really amazing. Um, we can talk about plans and dreams for the future because right now we're calm. We're all relaxed. We're all among friends. So we can talk about the future. But let's imagine, let's imagine if right now we hear this loud crash in the parking lot out, out there, and my rental car is out there, and immediately I think, I, I'm pretty sure that was my rental car out there, and I'm immediately thinking, ugh, how, we're going to have to go get this repaired, we're going to have to get another rental car, I'm going to have to call our next... Um, appointment and tell them we're not going to be able to speak on Sunday. So I'm thinking in days at this point. Days. Like how am I, how are we going to fix this so that we can get to our next, our next appointment? So we're an alert, right? 
And then oddly, because we're odd like that, we all go out to the parking lot together to see what's going on. And it's true, our rental car has been smashed. And now I'm thinking, it's, it looks pretty bad. We're going to have to get a tow truck. I'm going to have to call the rental company. I need to do this right now. I don't have phone service. Who's going to lend me their phone, right? So we're going to talk about alarm. Now we're thinking in hours, right? We can't, that vacation in five years, we're not thinking about that. We're thinking we got to get this car taken care of. And then I look and I see that the driver of the other car is still in the car and he is gravely injured. And I'm looking and there's a lot of blood loss and I'm not a medical person, but I know we have minutes to respond. We need to call 911. We need to get somebody here immediately. Now we're thinking in minutes, right? I'm no longer thinking about church on Sunday or that I might miss it. I'm thinking of a man's life, right? And then I look around, I look around, and I see oil spills, and there's fire coming. And I'm thinking, I've got to get this guy out of the car, and we got to run. And all of us together need to run out of this area. And so we're in panic mode, and we're running. Now, imagine, we're only thinking in seconds at that point. Now, imagine if I stop in that, in that chaos, I stop Parker and ask him, Hey, Parker, in five years, where would you like to go? He's not, he's not going to be able to answer. He's not going to be able to think in years. He's still thinking in seconds, hey, Kelly, stop it. i got to get out of here. And you do too, right? Okay. The interesting thing about youth who live in trauma, who have experienced trauma, particularly youth that have experienced four or more um, experiences in trauma in their in their lifetime, they live daily in this, in alarm. They cannot make decisions. That's why when you go to Honduras and you ask a little boy there, what do you want to be when you grow up, they cannot answer you. They can't answer. And more often than not, they will say what their dad does because that's the first thing that comes to their mind. They cannot dream five years down the future. They cannot talk to you about where they would like to go in five years. They cannot make a decision or dream about the future because they are living in hours. They're wondering if their dad is going to come home drunk and beat their mother again. They're wondering if they're going to have lunch tomorrow. They can't make decisions about the future. So here comes a missionary who wants to talk to you about eternity. They, they can't make a decision in this state. So what we have to do is get them back, at least temporarily, to a calm state so that we can have conversations about the future and make rational decisions. I'm going to show a video now. There's a lot of statistics in it. Um, and just capture how... how I, I was just amazed by these statistics. They were shown to me by someone else. Um, so we'll show a video. Think it'll work.
those statistics amaze me. And they are a secular study um, out of a university in Europe who studied children and youth across the, the globe. Um, children who suffer four or more incidents of trauma in their lifetime are, are subject to those statistics. And they saw that the only thing that made the difference in a kid that went down a path of hurt and anger and frustration and a kid that, that successfully exited poverty or abuse or whatever was a single adult in the life of that child. And Steve and I, just from personal experience, have seen that. We have seen it through our different ministries. In November of last year, we started Club Aslan in Honduras. And it is a rec center club for teenagers, at-risk teenagers. It currently exists in two different locations. One is at the property that we co-own with the um, Holiness Church there. The other one is at the school where we teach English because we have um, an inn there. And it consists of fifth graders and up um, who come for board games, sports, art, learning activities. Um, we just spend time with the kids. And it's a safe space where they can go and just be a kid. These are kids that are dealing with things we can't even imagine. Um, and it's a space where we build relationship and ask God for opportunities to speak into their lives. The goal is relationship. The goal is not getting the kid to go to church on Sunday. And I'm sorry if that offends you, but that's not what we're there to do. We, we have no ulterior motive. We are there to listen and to show Jesus through the way that we love these kids. Um, I'll give you a story of how this might work. Um, when we first started in November, the, remember the school year there is different. So November, December, January is their summer break. So they were there much more often. Um, and Steve was playing checkers. Um, we had to teach them how to play checkers. They don't know any games. They're teenagers, but they love Candyland. That's their favorite game. Um, that's the big game, right? What's the other big game? Oh, the biggest game right now is Hot Wheels Cars. It's not even a game. They just love Hot Wheels Cars. Um, but Steve was teaching checkers to a young man. And he said, he was probably 15 or 16. His name is Mario. And he said, I know this game. I learned to play it in the detention center in the U.S. And so that opened a conversation for Steve to ask, what, what were you doing in the detention center? How did you get there? What happened? And it opened the door for him to talk about his experiences. They don't volunteer that information. And we have seen time and time again how taking the time to play a game helps kids open up. And when I say kids, I mean preteens and teenagers, mostly. Um, so we focus on building relationships, teaching values, which games can help with, um, practicing decision-making, like we talked about. They have trouble making decisions. So we, we practice even with little things. Which game do you want to play today? To these kids sitting right here, that's an easy. That's easy. To, to our kids, they struggle making that decision. What game am I going to play today? Um, we build a community 
at Club Aslan that's safe and secure, where they feel welcomed. What it isn't is a VBS or a youth group or any of those things. We don't directly evangelize. That's not to say we don't believe that we should. It's to say that we work alongside a um, maturing church in Honduras, and that's their job. They are good at it. Our job is to relate to the kids and teach them how to do it. And so that's how we see our role. Um, it's not directly teaching the word of God. It's acting out the word of God so they see it. Because the Christianity that they have seen and heard don't match. And it's a conflict in their heads. Okay, And so what we try to do is live out our faith. That's not to say we don't talk about Jesus. Don't hear, don't hear that wrong. We do. It's just not in the way that you would expect missionaries to, to do that. We're trying something different. We, um, it is a membership-based um, um, organization, Club Aslan. Each kid receives a membership card with their own photo on it which is um, very exciting for them, by the way. They love getting their photo on something. And I let them make silly faces and everything. And we laminate it. Um, and they get special privileges for having that membership card. It's free to get a membership card, but you have to sign, and your parents have to sign, a pledge. And in that pledge, um, it's not just a pledge for the club. It's a pledge that talks about principles for life. We talk about in the pledge um, serving community, serving your family. And finally, we promise to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And every single kid signs the paper, and then they receive their, their ID card. Um, this also helps us track who's coming and going, which is really important in the gang-infested neighborhoods that we're working in. And so we're very careful about who we let in and, and who we don't. Um, so this pledge has had a bigger impact than we thought it would. Um, it's printed on the back of their ID card, so um, at some point during our open hours, we stop everything, we take a break, and we all repeat the pledge together. And one day, um, Naomi, she's probably 13 or 14, she was playing Candyland with another boy, and like kids do and teenagers do, they got, you're cheating. I'm not cheating. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. And so they were having that discussion, and I got ready to step in and kind of calm the waters a little bit. And Naomi looked at the boy, and she said, look at this promise. I made a promise. I'm not cheating. And we didn't realize that they were really taking it to heart like that. And it was, it was a beautiful reminder that even the little things make a difference in these kids' lives. So we've spent the past, um, since November, um, in these clubs. They're open one day a week, one day at each location for most of the day. We're there um, for a good part of the day, and it's come and go. Um, you come in and play for a while, and if you want to leave, you leave, and then you come in again. Um, we have different art projects that go on. We have sports. Um, Gaga Ball is really popular. So we've spent a lot of time building these relationships. Now we have these trusted relationships with these kids. 
And so just the month before we left, this is great news and I'm super excited to share it with you, um, we made a partnership, we signed an agreement with a ministry called Street Kids Direct. It is a ministry out of England um, who is working in Honduras and they deal strictly with one-on-one mentoring programs. So they have an existing mentoring program. They recently came out to see Club Aslan and have um, invited us to join their network and to be a Street Kids Direct project, which is really exciting because that gives us access to resources and training materials that Steve and I would have taken Steve and I years to develop. Um, And so we have started along with Club Aslan um, one-on-one mentoring with each one of the kids. Um, It's starting very small because right now the only trained mentors are Steve and I, but the goal is to train others to be mentors. Um, So I want to tell you about the two kids that we just started mentoring. We've had one mentoring session with these kids, but we picked them for specific reasons. I want to tell you about Esmeralda. She um, was my fifth grade English student up in the mountains at a, at a school. She comes to school dirty every day from head to toe, head to toe. Her hair is all knotted up. She has cavities in every single one of her teeth, every single one of them. Um, her clothes often have holes in them. Um, so I know that she's, she's poverty. She's well below the poverty line. I... I get the sense that she's not well cared for. I know that she's the oldest of five, and she's 11. Um, So I don't think she gets a lot of attention. In my fifth grade class, she was the troublemaker. She didn't do her homework. She interrupted class. She she was mouthy and sassy, and she didn't want to do anything. She wanted nothing to do with English class or school. Then, during the summer break, she started coming to Club Aslan every day. And she still told me, I hate English, I hate you, and I hate Club Aslan, but she still came every day. Um, And she still tells me that occasionally when she's angry. She'll tell me that. Then she started sixth grade. And I have seen, because we built a connection in Club Aslan, I made it my mission to try and seek her out and play games with her. Um, she now has a 99% in my English class. Just to give you an example, she had 17% at the end of last year. Um, her, she answers every question in class. She raises her hand. She wants to answer it. And make no mistake, the reason is not because I'm an excellent teacher. It's because I took the time to get to know her before I asked anything from her. And so um, a few months ago, I was talking with her, and she said, "Um, Kelly, this is my last year. You won't have me in your English class next year. And I said, really? Why not? And she said, well, sixth grade is my last year. I'm not not continuing my education. It's very common there. And I asked her why, and she said, I just can't. I just can't. I don't want to, (coughs) and I can't. And so I talked to Steve. It really burdened me because I can see if she does not complete further education, she'll never break the cycle of poverty that she's in. And so I decided with Steve that this should be the girl that I, that I mentor. 
and that maybe we can, and I don't know how it's going to turn out. I've only had one session with her. Um, maybe we can work with her to get her back to calm so that we can make reasonable decisions about her future together. That's the goal. Just before we left, um, for our English classes, because we're gone a whole month, that's a lot of class for them to miss. They're in classes still. Um, so I made a packet of worksheets that they were supposed to work on while I was gone. And I gave them a lot, because I'm gone a whole month. And so I said, you have a month to finish these worksheets, review worksheets over what we've learned this year. The very next day was club day, and she came to me with her homework, and she said, well, I did your homework, your stupid homework. That's what she told me, your stupid homework. I did it, and it's awful. I got an F on it. And she handed it to me. She had done it all, all of it, in one night. And I looked through it while she was standing there, and she said, it's awful. I know. I'm never going to speak English. And she was just telling how horrible it was. She got 100% on it. She just wanted to hear me say it so that she could, she could have a moment of somebody telling her something positive about her. Steve is mentoring a young man at the school as well. Um, he's, he's my student, actually, not Steve's. He's in eighth grade, um, but he's 18 years old. Um, he has a father in prison. He, um, he's, a, he's a very hard student to deal with in class, and as I was telling this to Steve, I'm struggling with this kid. Um, Steve said, I really feel like this is the kid I should be mentoring. And so um, they've had some discussions. He, he's very intelligent, and he's struggling with being the oldest kid in an eighth grade class. And so Steve is going to be there to walk him through some of those struggles. Our vision for Club Aslan going forward is that it will be a five-day-a-week. Right now it's one-day-a-week because that's all Steve and I can do. A five-day-a-week program in multiple locations. Right now we have two. We can envision many more. Run by local churches. That's our vision. And we want a trained mentor for every member of Club Aslan. That's our vision. One-on-one -on -one mentor. The commitment is one hour a week with your mentee outside of club and outside of any classes or if you're a teacher or whatever. Um, it's a big commitment for a minimum of one year um, because these kids have had adults come in and out of their lives. They don't they don't need somebody to start and then finish and not finish. Um, even with Esmeralda, before I left, I had to reassure her I'm coming back, I'll be back, um, because she was worried that I was leaving. And so just being able to tell her, and I think Steve did the same with Leodon, told him a specific date, this is the day we will be here, we'll be back. So prayers that we actually get our plane to go back <laughs> on that. So that's our vision going forward, is a rec center for teenagers, a safe space where they are heard, where we have opportunities to speak into their lives. And we see the mentoring as a, as a critical piece and an opportunity to one-on-one -on -one share the gospel. That's where we're going to be sharing God's word. Um, I know that Esmeralda, for instance, does not have a Bible, and so I'm writing out a verse every time we have a session specifically for her that I've picked for her and we read it together that's how we close our time together
And yes, I could just get her a Bible, but I feel like it's, I feel like her being chosen, having verses chosen specifically for her is what she needs at this time. I, we are also desperately trying not to create dependency. And so we don't give things, objects, to the kids. We give time and prayer and energy. That's what we have to give to the kids. Um, and games, of course. But we don't give those. We lend them, right? Um, we're here. We left all of that behind in, in this new, like we've just started this mentoring because we had to. We had to come back and ask for more team members to join us in Honduras. Um, this ministry is, is complicated um, on so many levels, um, and we cannot do it alone. We, we literally cannot do anything without the support of people like you. And so that's what we're here to ask for. Right now, we are running about, just to, I'm just telling you the need. I'm not going to beg. We are running um, $1,000 a month short of our budget. Um, that's about 30 people at $30 a month, which I think is very doable. And so we're spending this month here in the U.S., starting out here, um, to ask others to come on board to this new, um, different, um, exciting opportunity in Honduras to serve alongside us. We really feel like we are a team Solheim. It's not Steve and Kelly. We are not the team. It's all of you that we take with us. Um, we really feel that. And so we are asking um, for you to come alongside us. And how you do that is the most convenient way is online. And I think the, yep, the website is on the screen here. Um, but it's also on the back of this card where it says join the team. If you go to that website and make a monthly, annual, or quarterly donation, that makes you a member of Team Solheim and helps us um, grow this ministry like we envision. We also have a contact card that is back on the table. We have a limited number of them. If we run out, don't worry. We have notebook paper. We can. Um, this is a card where you can give us your contact information and check a box of what you're interested in. For example, if you are interested in short-term or long-term missions, we're happy to talk to you about that. Um, if you would like us to, when, we're, when we come home on furlough, if you would like us to visit your church, we'd love to talk to you about that. That's an option. Also, if you um, don't want to go to the website, if you want um, to manually send in your gift, um, there is an option on here, monthly financial support, um, and we will help you with that. There's also a um, checkbox for project financial support. Those are the projects that we've been telling you about. You can also see those on the website. Um, Lucy's Libros, if you feel passionate about that project. Club Aslan is one of them. I'll be telling you about another one tomorrow night. Um, so those are also on there. Um, so feel free to give directly to a project if you want to designate your funds. Um, any funds given through monthly to us will go to all the projects. Whatever has the need is where we direct those, okay? Um, we just want to thank you for having us. Um, it's been a blessing. Um, we feel encouraged. 
And we have been so excited to tell you what God is doing in La Esperanza. Um, it's just been amazing. We have, we have an, an incredible vision, and we're excited to see how he's going to make it happen. And he does that through you. So we want to thank you for that. And um, we would just ask that you would be obedient to what God lays on your heart. No more and no less. So thank you. <laughs>